you might like to turn in your Bible, if you would, to Matthew and chapter 2. And just in case you miss Christmas, I thought I'd better do it again. <coughs> Matthew chapter 2. Perhaps we can look to the Lord in prayer. And our God and Father, set apart thy word. Give us that understanding that we might have the benefit here and now for your own honor and your own glory. And our God, we're going to thank you very, very much. In Christ's name, amen. In, our, in our, the account of our Lord's birth, you remember in Matthew in chapter 2 that the wise men journeyed from over near the Euphrates River, Babylon, and if you go as the crow flies, it's over 600 miles straight across. And then if you know they can't go straight across, so they have to wind up around the Euphrates and down. So it was a long journey. And that star appeared. God did it. It's no, no sense in looking for a star. God did it. And at the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ in Bethlehem, the star shone, and they were, as we shared earlier in a message, they were ready, ready to receive that star in the light of Numbers 24 and 17. Now, they were ready for that. So now uh, they uh, journey, and they journey, and the wise men come. And in the process, they finally get to Jerusalem and uh, ask where the ch king, where the king, you know, in verse 2, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? So when they left, when they left, over there near, the, near Babylon and that, uh, they were go coming to what? To see the birth, the birth of the king. It was not a guess. They were coming. They believed. These are Gentiles. They believed, and they're coming because the birth of the king of the Jews has occurred. And so when they get there, it's going to take a while and they get there, and Herod, as you know, without getting in all that information, uh, Herod goes, and uh, he's concerned, king of the Jews, and uh, he privately and, and uh, in, uh, in his efforts to make sure there is no other king, because he is king. And uh, therefore, he goes and, uh, and calculates when they left uh, Babylon over there, in that area, when they left it, calculated the day, and then computed and allowed the journey, however long it was, and gave two years. So he counted two years and would kill every baby two years or younger. That's what he's going to do. So he's going to get them all so that there's no baby left because he doesn't know which baby. And he doesn't take the time to go five or six miles 
southward to Bethlehem to see. He never takes the time. Neither do the scribes nor the priest take the time. They don't bother either. Wow. Now, having said that, here we are, and we're looking. And you will note in 2 and 11, and when they were come into the house, house, no, not the manger anymore, and they saw the young child, he's not a little baby, he's aged to some measure, a child, young child with Mary and his mother, and fell down, and they worshipped him, because they're coming to worship the king. And they fell down to do so uh, when they saw the baby. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh are mentioned. Now, those three gifts, they're mentioned, and, uh, and they're all about the because he's king, because he's king of the Jews. And there are the gifts. And he receives them. And the little baby, of course, doesn't, doesn't care from a human standpoint at that point. But he, those gifts are all there, signifying they belong to him. And he's born, he dies on the cross, and the next event to happen, it wasn't, we celebrate all these different days and things, but the next event to happen is the church is born in Acts chapter 2, and the Lord is coming, so we're waiting for the Lord's return. We aren't going by the calendar, we aren't going by the clock, we're going by the fact that he said, I'm coming. Present tense, I'm in the process of doing it. And he makes, and remember now with God, we think of Sunday school and all of that study of God's wonderful person. And he has no time. There is no past and there is no future with God. It's all one magnificent forever. And you're going to have to come to God and understand he's God to even begin to tackle who he is. It's way beyond our little old minds, marvelously so. Now, having said that, so what I'd like you to do is to take a moment here, being New Year's, and uh, as I'm going to look at these three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they belong to the king, they belong to the Lord, and he doesn't get rid of them. He doesn't throw them away. He doesn't, they aren't, uh, is it a white elephant that used to, when you say a white elephant, it's a wonderful gift but not much use. Now, so he doesn't go and throw them away. I'm interested in what he's done with these gifts. Now, so therefore, we'll take a little exercise if we can. And you'll notice this gold Gold, and there is a frankincense uh, in frankincense, and there's myrrh, three things. Now, and, and the frankincense is from a root from the tree bark, and you don't need all that now, but they peel the bark off in Arabia and that, peel the bark off, and let the tree bleed, and they let it bleed all summer long for three months, and it bleeds, and all that sap coming out juice coming out hardens, hardens into little balls. And at the end of the summer, after three months, they cut off those. 
and those are called frankincense. And they're super duper fragrant. And that's what they do. And myrrh, myrrh is another thing from a myrtle tree and that. And then they have it. So they, they're taking spices, they're a big thing. Now, so therefore, let's take a look at what they are in, uh, in, in their meaning, in God's mind and heart. And therefore, look at God, look at God by looking at the gold. And what do we know about gold? Gold. Uh, and uh, in the light of that, over to Exodus 25. In Exodus chapter 25. And I'll do it very quickly because we're never going to finish this. So I have to just zip along and I can't fill it in for you carefully. But get enough. You catch the idea. That's what you need. Here's Exodus 25 and God demonstrates in all kinds of ways. And one of the things that you're looking at here in chapter 25 and verse 11 that God is going to take the ark, the ark that is inside the tabernacle in front of the great curtain, the ark, and he's going to take that, and he's going to take that ark, and he's going to go and overlay it, verse 11, with fine gold. He's going to take the ark, and he's going to take that ark in the other uh, side of the curtain there, and he's going to take that ark, and he's going to cover it with pure gold. And then he's going to go, going to go, and the four is going to have rings, so you can have a big pole to carry. Four men can carry it, two, one, two on each side, on the pole. The rings are all gold. The poles are all gold. <laughs> so all gold. So you got that pole. Poles are all. Gold. And then, then we got a mercy seat. Here's the ark. It's all covered gold. And so here's the mercy seat on top, sitting there. And that, interesting and wonderfully, is solid gold, pure solid gold. And to boot, there's two cherubim on top of that mercy seat, looking down like this, looking down on that mercy seat. And there, solid gold. Solid gold. God, what are you doing? Now, what do we know about gold? Gold is a very commodity that's an age-old valued commodity. And therefore, gold comes along, and, and here's God going to show the value. The value. Who, it, it, the wise men are coming and bringing the baby gold. He's king. What do you do with kings and dignitaries and great people you bring them the most valuable gift you could find. Gold. 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 That's what they do. What are you going to do, God? What are the, in, don't jump ahead of me. Uh, streets are, streets are going to be in heaven what? Gold. Gold. <laughs> gold. Not the gold that you and I know. Uh, now, so in all of that, <coughs> God, God is, is marvelously God. And the only thing you can do to honor and show your value of gold is the most valuable thing that we can think of, that we can use, that we do use, 
for kings and potentates and everybody is gold. Gold. Wonderful gold. So now, here's all that gold, and all of it points to God in a most wonderful way. Now, having said that, to jump over to Acts, if you would, and Acts chapter 17. In the book of Acts chapter 17. And you will notice, if I may go directly in the light of the context, uh, here we are, and uh, Acts, Acts chapter 17, I'm going to go directly to the, to the movement. And you would note, please, in Acts 17, over in, in Athens, verse 29. For as much then, what he, Paul is saying, they get all these idols for their gold, for their gods, and Paul is helping them understand that have, they have a place for an idol, but there isn't one. And, they, and that, that, what is it there for? It's for the God we don't know about and don't know him. And Paul's going to tell them about the God they don't know about. Now, so therefore, sliding down, verse 29. For as much then as... We are the offspring. We're all God's created beings in his image and likeness. We, since we are that, we ought, we ought to think, we ought not to think, I should say, that the Godhead, his deity, is like unto gold or silver or stone or graven by art and man's device. Don't, what did heathen do without taking time to look at it? What did people do that practiced idolatry and religious activity? They used gold. Among other things, gold. How do you honor God's little g? Gold. How do we honor the big people? Gold. Got to have gold now. Hang on to that. But God isn't gold. And you can't honor God and think of God as gold. You don't want to do that. It's what we have to do, what world, the world does, understandably. And God illustrates that, that they are not wrong. And therefore, God's going to tell us in Acts chapter 17 uh, that we ought not to think that God is like gold. He isn't like gold. He's God. Now, why do I need to know that? God uses gold to point. The wise men used gold to identify with their understanding of who they were going to kneel before that little baby, God, King of the Jews. Now, having said that, jumping quickly, if I can, over, if you would, please, oh, to uh, jo Job. Job, the book of Job, and God's working, his wonderful, wonderful working. And you are going to recall in your mind and heart a Job and uh, chapter 23. And what are we going to know? Well, here's Job giving this wonderful discourse of his heart exercise. 
And if I can, I'll pick up just a little brief moment of it. Uh, verse 8, 23, 8. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. But, I can't, but, but, what do you know, Job? He knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, put me to the proof, and exercise my head and my heart, I shall come forth as gold. I'm going to come forth as gold. That's what we're going to do. Wise men are bringing gold. And our Lord brightly takes it. Now, hang on. If you would, here's Job, wonderfully, wonderfully exercised. Over, if you would, please, O to, O to First Peter. And in First Peter, picking up, please. God does a wonderful thing in saving us when we receive the Lord as our Savior. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, you recall, For as much as you know that you were not, N-O-T, redeemed with corruptible things, like what's corruptible? Silver and gold. Silver and gold. For your vain, from your vain conversation, your manner of life, received by tradition from your fathers, Adam, etc. Verse 19, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's how God saves us, by his precious blood. Wow. Now, Job, Job is looking to go through the exercise with God so that his heart will be changed like gold. Like gold. Over, if you would please, to 1 Peter and chapter 1. And picking up, if I can, uh, in verse... Oh, verse uh, 6. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, testings, trials, uh, exercises of all kinds. Of that, the purpose, verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire and come out pure, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Wow. Now, God, so what are we going to do? Well, what are we gonna, we're exercised. We're exercised to trust God. What is faith? Faith is reaching out, F-A-I-T-H. It's reaching out to something or someone other than yourself. Faith means you aren't looking at one little drop about you. You aren't counting one drop about your life for anything. Faith means you're abandoning everything here to get something out here, to find something out here. That's why God gave it. He didn't say, if faith, that's what faith is. If it's faith is something to do with a person, then depending on the person, it, it would be all over the place. Persons are all different. How they feel, how they think, how they act, 
how they understand. God had to make it fair. Without faith, it's impossible to what, you know, to please him. You can't do that. It must be abandoning everything about you or anybody, anywhere, anyhow, and looking to God by faith. The trying of your faith, reaching out to God, that's what Job's doing. And what are you going to do? Well, when you're going to do that, I'm going to discover what? Something more precious than gold. Well, now gold, you can put in a box or put in a shelf. You could show it, a hunk of gold. You could do that. But when you become gold, when you become gold, ah, that's different. Hang on to that. When you're gold, when God values you as gold, God looks at the gift and he sees you. Gold, precious gold, you're saved by his precious blood more precious than silver and gold. Hang on. Now, in the light of that, without that, then you have to go, have to go to frankincense. And frankincense has to do with that which has to do with the coming from the tree, etc. And, and the little knobs and has to do with that, which is very, very fragrant, frankincense is. Now, in the light of that, in the light of that frankincense, would you go over with me to Exodus chapter 30? And in Exodus chapter 30, well, yeah, I'm gonna, hang on, I'm going to hold your finger there and go over the, with me first to Leviticus chapter 2. Leviticus and chapter 2. This will keep, always keeps you awake, trying to keep your finger in, and, and when you have to do two or three things, it really exercises you. Now, Leviticus chapter 2. Here is the meal or food offering. Now, what in the in here's this? Remember, this all these seven sacrifices line up, and what do they all point to? The person of the pure, the wonderful person of Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem of Judea. He is the complete, wonderful, satisfying sacrifice to be your substitute, and it covers every base. And that's why you have Leviticus one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So Leviticus chapter 2, verse 1. And when any will offer a meal or food offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and shall pour oil upon it, and, up what, and put frankincense thereon. Now here's the food offering. Frankincense is for sweet smelling, to make it fragrant, super-duper fragrant, fragrant, if you would. Now, and in the, in the pro, that's the meal offering, and that involves frankincense. That's what you're going to do and put in that. And remember now, that's, that's without sin. Christ is the perfect, perfect humanity. He's the perfect one. I'll say it a different way. You know it. John 6, 35, I am the bread of what? I am the bread of life, the meal offering. 
on the whole thing that you need. The table of showbread in the tabernacle on the whole thing that you need. Now, sliding over, if you would please, to chapter 5. And that's a sweet savor, a wonderful fragrance. Make sure that is an awesome, awesome, wonderful. You just, it's your pleasure to be around it. Leviticus chapter 5 is the sin offering, you recall, and verse 11. And if he be not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, uh, then he that... He that uh, sinned shall bring for his offering a tenth part of an ephah of fine flour for his sin offering. He shall not, he shall put no oil upon it, neither shall he put any frankincense there, uh, thereon, for it is a sin offering. And sin, there's nothing fragrant about sin. Sin stinks. How's that? There's nothing fragrant. Don't put any incense. Don't put any frankincense. Christ died for you and for our sin. He died on the cross in a most, most wonderful way. Now, in the process, in the process of that, back over to Exodus and chapter 30. And you would recall Exodus and uh, chapter 30, picking up, if I can, verse 34. Now, this is for, uh, look at chapter 30, verse 1. And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon of shittim wood, acacia wood, uh, shalt thou make it. So, the altar is not on the outside for sacrifices of animals. It's on the inside between the before the curtain and the that uh, holds the ark of the covenant, and it's there. And what is it for? It's for incense. Now, and therefore, chapter thirty, verse four. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, sakti, and anika, and Galbam, bel, galbamnum, uh, these sweet spices with pure Saint frankincense, and each shall each shall be in, and each shall there be a like weight, etc. And gonna, and and it's a pure made. It's a super duper formula. God gives it, and without taking time, no one else can ever use this formula except in the worship of God. And they'd be cut off. If anyone's found making this formula and using it, they're cut off from Israel, uh, jumping ahead. So now, that's what that is for. And sliding over to chap- chapter 30, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 30, uh, verse 7. Uh, what are you going to do with this incense? And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at evening, morning and evening, 
He shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout all your generations. Now, God, here's the tabernacle and the temple. Here they are. And when everything was healthy uh, with, with Israel, they would have this incense burning. So there'd be no, no minute in a 24-hour, no, no time in a 24-hour day that incense was not burning. What is it doing? It's a, for a sweet fragrance. That's what it's doing. Now, God, what is the tabernacle about? The tent, a meeting. You know, John 1, 14. And he, God, the word became flesh and was dwelt or tented or tabernacled among us. The tabernacle was a picture, a little learning to understand there was a come, someone's going to come, the babe born of Bethlehem of Judea, who's God. So now, here we are looking, and, uh, and they're going to burn incense, and that incense is sweet fragrance, wonderful sweet fragrance, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, God, how can you be among us? How can you be among them? Because the tabernacle was there, and as long as the tabernacle was rightly used, not like in the temple in Jeremiah's day, but when it was rightly used, what did we find? We found the wonderful, wonderful reason God could be among them. The sacrifices on the altar and the incense on the inside. And God was pleased with the work of his son, born in Bethlehem of Judea, who would die for the sin of the world. And God was pleased. What are you bringing, wise men? I'm bringing gold. He's God. I'm bringing incense, frankincense, sweet-smelling fragrance. Wow. Now, and that's, and now, keep that in mind, if you would, as as you're looking. So here we are looking at the frankincense and uh, God's perfect humanity. He's the perfect Savior, the sinless Son of God. He dies on the cross for our sin. That's what he does. Now, picking up, if I can, you also have myrtle. And myrtle, myrtle, myrtle has to do with uh, the uh, uh, mirth, uh, mirth, I should say, uh, from the myrtle tree. And in the process, in the process, uh, what are we going to do with that? Well, I'd say, God, what is that? Well, if you're still there in Exodus 30, you're all set, because... Exodus 30, and in verse 23. Uh, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure mirth, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half as much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, etc. Now you're going to take this, and you're going to make a special, special ointment, etc. Going to do it. It's a very wonderful thing. Now, hang on. I can't even get to it, but you know it. Uh, this, if we took it ahead of time, you'd, you'd think about it. What are, what are the Egyptians? Why did they bring it from Arabia? They're shipping it in Genesis from Arabia. Well, for, for, what are the Egyptians? They know how to abound. Uh, abound. abound. They know how to abound in taking care of dead people. That came out all right. Now, that's what they did. And they cover it. They put this mirth, uh, uh, mirth all over them. And it's very potent, very powerful, 
and fragrance. And that's how they prepared the bodies. Because, as you know, if you went to Luke, Matthew, John 11, and Lazarus comes forth, and they said, he's been in there three days in the hot, dry place where we are. We put him in there. He's going to not smell good. Ah, but the Egyptians had a special process that they did for people that had the money and everything to pay for it. So Nicodemus is going to go without, and you know what he's going to do. He's going to ask Pontius Pilate for the body. What's he want the body for? Because he's hanging. He's, I, would you let us take the body? And he has his tomb uh, to put it in. And the next day, it, this is his 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, the Sabbath begins. You can't go buy any spices. Can't do anything. And, and Nicodemus has 100 pounds, etc., of, of, of mirth. And uh, he's going to go and, uh, and take the body. The body's wrapped, and, and uh, they put it in his tomb, uh, in this place, and cover. And, uh, and uh, to, 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 until they can get there with the proper mixture of everything and, and do the job because he's got money and everything. He's going to do it. He's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We should do it. But you know what happened, don't you? They went in after his resurrection and all they found was the nice clothes but no body. No body. There was no body to take care of he had risen. Now, hang on. In the light of that, in the light of that, in God's wonderful, wonderful program, God, you're going to do what you do, in, and it's embalming. And, and by the way, I didn't mean to, let me finish it here quickly in chapter 30. And you'll notice, please, uh, in, uh, it's going to keep saying it, uh, verse 25, and thou shalt make an oil of, oil of holy, holy, anointment, an anointing compound after the art of the apothecary, it shall be an holy anointing oil. And as you read, the ark is anointed, the table is anointed. Uh, verse 28, uh, the altar burnt it, the altar, uh, the p- sanctification, uh, everything. Verse tw- 30, and thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons. What are you doing with the anointing oil? What are you doing with this mirth? I'm going and consecrating. I'm setting it apart. I'm preparing it for acceptance. That's what it is. So the anointing oil, that's what it was for. And that's how everything had to be what? Everything had to be covered acceptably. Gold, the gold, and then the oil, uh, covering, ointment. And all of it was there. It smelled good. It, everything was great. And Wow. Having said that, and, and back to, I didn't mean to admit the so wonderful things. Here's the, back to, incense, back to the frankincense for a sense. And they put that on the altar. And you know when they threw that on the, the altar of incense to, to, to produce the fragrance, it had a great cloud of smoke, or, or not smoke, but that filled the air. You filled the air with that, with that fragrance. You could see it in the air. Wow. Now, when they could, on the Day of Atonement, 
when the priest could only go in once a year, Leviticus 16. He had to go with his thing, and he had this same, this same incense fragrance, and he went in, and the fragrance was there, and he threw it on when he went in, the told people. And when he threw it on, the great cloud would come, and he went in to offer the blood. There, only one day, only one day a year on the Day of Atonement, and he went to take and throw it. But, but did he have clarity of the gold mercy seat? No. No, it was all hazy with a sweet fragrance that covered it. It was a holy place. It was the most holy place. Now, now having said, having said that little bit, in the light of gold, gold's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. Now, God, you have done that, and we're going to come forth as gold. Now, God, how are you going to go? And uh, we mentioned in the beginning that God, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh, myrrh, myrrh all of that, uh, it, it, you didn't. You, you accepted it. It was all rightly so. It pointed to your person, your God, pointed to your sweet fragrance. You're the perfect, sinless Son of God. It pointed to the mirror. You're the wonderful, wonderful one that's going to die on the cross. And you know from all our different reminders, time and again, the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. Christ died before anything was ever, ever created. God, in his wonderful program, that's why he created angels and us, because he had a plan to take care and glorify himself in a most wonderful way. Now, having said, here's the goal, and there's the frankincense, and all of that. Now, God, God, here we are. And, and, and just, <laughs> here's the local assemblies in Revelation 2 and 3. And you will recall, when they're healthy, they're called gold, golden lampstands, when they're healthy. Each assembly is a golden lampstand pointing to an awesome God. Now, in the awesome God, what do we have? Well, we have an awesome sweet fragrance, and that sweet fragrance is awesome. And God, over if you would please, over to Ephesians 5. And appreciate your patience. Ephesians chapter 5. And may I pick up the thought that you know. Ephesians chapter 5. In O verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. And then for reason, for a sweet-smelling savor. And it's because when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you became a you became the residence for God in Christ. And God in Christ is a sweet, Christ is a sweet fragrance to God. And that's why you are able to go 
and have a unique, wonderful exercise of what? His wonderful deity. So here we are sitting. We're just nobody and the calendar changes and it all goes. You bet it does. Ah, but that isn't the issue. God, are you demonstrating? I am. I'm demonstrating the gold, the silver, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. I'm, I'm showing it. How are you showing it, God? Did you throw it away? Did you put it on a shelf back there somewhere on, on the planet Mars or something? No, no. It was all about, and all about a relationship. They understood who I was and what I would do on Calvary's cross. They understood in a little way compared to us, a little way. They understood about what was God was going to do. God was going to be a, save us and make us a sweet savor to God. That's what he was going to do. Over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Second Corinthians and chapter two. And allow me to go and pick it up in thought. If I can, I'm just interested in the same word, fragrance, smell. And God makes you, if you're saved, you're walking around demonstrating Gold, gold, and frankincense and myrrh. God never put them aside. Is he God? Absolutely. Is he, does Christ satisfy God perfectly? Absolutely. Is God able to go and take, and take care of our smelly dead sin? Absolutely. And he covers it with his precious blood. And the blood is a sweet fragrance to God. And we're walking around, if we would understand it, demonstrating what the, what the wise men brought, gold and silver and precious stones. Uh, uh, precious stones. Um, back in 1 Corinthians 3. <laughs> uh, gold, silver. Uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Wow. Now, if you keep that in mind, if you could, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and you'll pick it up, as you know, verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph, to be victorious in Christ. Up and down the street, in and out of the bathroom, up and down the stairs, in and out of work, school, bus, whatever you're doing. And now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph and have be be wonderfully successful in Christ, and maketh manifest, clear, public, plain, the savor, the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. That's what we are. We're just nobodies. But all of a sudden, God has put us in himself, and we're new creatures in Christ, aren't we? Aren't you supposed to be? A new creature in Christ? So when God looks, he said this, think of 1 Corinthians 10, there's Jew and there's Gentile, and now there exists something that never existed, the church of God, a new creation, having a unique, it, you are my body, 
he said, I'm the head and you're the body. And we're all the real believers, not buildings or anything, believers uh, that are trying to understand, uh, uh, to, to exercise that wonderful relationship that they have and that to be triumphant so that everyone, and if he kept reading verse 15, 16, 17, if he had kept reading, uh, to the unsaved, boy, you're a pain in the neck when, you, when you're like that. If you just make believe you don't know God and be happy, we'll be happy. But if you're going to say, I have a wonderful God and Savior, and I know him as my Savior and Lord, wow. Therefore, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, you don't have to turn there. What? When you do this, the Lord's table, do it what? In remembrance of me. Do you understand? Don't forget me. Don't forget me. That's what New Year's. I don't care about New Year's, Christmas, or anything. I know, I know you say, I wish you wish you'd care about it. No, I don't. No, I don't. I want to stay right on target. I don't want to be disrupted from my understanding and my appreciation for being saved, for having God as our Savior and Lord. That's an awesome thing. And we live each day. But you know what you know. What do you know? You have physical life that's aging, true? Aging, physically, you hate it. I know you do. It's a pain in the neck. But you've got to keep deteriorating. Is that right? <laughs> but your relationship to God never deteriorates. It never gets a day older, does it? Does it, your relationship to God get an hour, hour older? A minute older? Do you understand? That's why we don't. <laughs> what you're living? I'm living my physical life, which is pain in the neck. But there's another life. And that's what we just talked about. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we're to walk around and show God cherished all of those wonderful presents. God is the present. And in his presence, we enjoy all of his presence, his gifts. We enjoy them. Wow. We'll pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for your grace and kindness in every way. So deal with us. Thank you that we're able to know you as our Lord and Savior, God, to receive and rest in your finished work. God, thank you. Thank you very, very much. So deal with us even now, as we remember, and we're put in remembrance of your wonderful birth, your awesome death, and your awesome resurrection. And you reminded us the world needs to see what? Like the Apostle Paul in the city of Corinth, preaching the Lord's death until he comes. That's all he ever wanted to tell the Corinthian academic academians and everyone else. They just needed to know the Lord Jesus Christ, 
God Almighty, thank you, thank you very much. In Christ's name, amen.